Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. To our listeners, I want to thank you for joining us today. Now we're recording this episode around the time of the Masters starting in Augusta area, not far from where Ben's church is and where Ben lives. So now, Ben, now are you going to be participating in the Masters this year, Ben? That remains to be seen. So, it, yeah, we're waiting on some paperwork, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I can throw the ball towards the hole more accurately than I can hit the ball and probably throw it further than I can hit it. Uh-huh. Now, I heard Tiger's making a bit of a comeback, so, you know, that might make uh, the heard... Masters more interesting. Yeah, I heard something about that on the radio uh, just the other day, so we'll see. Um, it. I mean, he really can move the, the needle of uh, p- people's eyeballs watching it by himself. So, mm-hmm. Yes, he can. So Now, it seems like golf has been filled with a, with a, a lot of good Baptist boys uh, lately. So uh, the, uh, <laughs> so for sure, we, that, uh, we're making a pay, uh, paving a way for us to go ahead and join the uh, PGA, right? That's right, man. Or if I, if that just let me be a member of the National. I mean, I'm good with that. <laughs> I wouldn't complain about that either. So, <clears throat> no, heard the food's good. So, <laughs> I believe it. So, you know, the uh, to succeed in the masters, one really needs to exegete and study the details of the of each and every uh, hole. Each- um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really a golf person. My my knowledge of golf is just because I've grown up in a golf town. But yeah, I think you you do want to pay attention to all the contours of of each hole and each green and this and you know hills and all that kind of stuff. Now we do other kinds of exegesis, and that's exegesis of the Bible. Uh, maybe a little bit different, and uh, doesn't involve having caddies. Well, maybe you could have a caddy when you read your Bible. So but, uh, here, yeah, you hold the Bible while I read it. It sounds good, yeah, Sam. But I want to ask you then, Ben, what is exegesis? Exegesis is just the most uh, concise definition, simple. It's just getting the meaning or the message out of a text. Okay, good. And uh, there's a similar term uh, to exegesis, kind of its opposite, eisegesis. What is eisegesis? It's it's putting a meaning into a text rather than trying to draw it out. You're you're trying to read into it what you think it says, what you want it to say, uh, rather than letting it speak for itself. Okay, so like kind of how we isogeted the uh, from Tiger Woods coming back into uh, the PGA and succeeding more that will be successful golfers for sure. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> yeah, it's um. Definitely, you, you want to go with the exegesis route rather than the eisegesis route. Yes, that's good. Uh, now, uh, do these things, I mean, these are kind of terms that probably a lot of listeners hadn't heard before. Uh, do these kind of things have anything to do with teaching children and youth and family ministry at all? Uh, I think they have a lot to do. They're not terms that get commonly used uh, in the church, and I think that's okay. 
Um, I mean, maybe if you want to revive it, but it's more something that you'd hear in seminaries or Bible colleges or that kind of thing. Um, but it deals with how do we read and interpret the Bible. And so we want to teach kids and youth and, and anyone to read the Bible on its own terms, not just pull out, you know, second and third level or tenth level implications of it and make that the point of your lesson or your teaching time. Um, you know, people write with a purpose in mind. They're trying to communicate something. And, and it's the same with the Bible. We're trying to read that and find the intention of the biblical authors. And ultimately, there's only there's one mind behind the Bible. So Moses and Isaiah and Paul and John and all these guys wrote, yeah. but God, by spirit, was moving them along to write what he wanted. And so we're trying to see God's intention for having that passage written. Yeah, that's good. That, uh, you know, the Sunday after we record this, which will be about a month before you guys hear it, uh, I'll be preaching on Second uh, Peter 1, uh, 16 through 21. And a uh, verse that really pops out, I think, connected to this is verse 20. It says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. And so this kind of shows uh, the Bible means what it objectively says. And that gives us, I think, each and every one of us the responsibility of finding proper exegesis of doing proper exegetical work and, and seeing what the meaning of the text is. And so I think because scripture te- relates to every single one of us, it clearly relates that to children and youth. It clearly relates that to our parental discipleship. But I think it's especially important as we kind of develop the framework that our children and youth will live their life upon. You know, if we, if we build it upon a wrong study of the Bible, I mean, it's going to only compact upon itself in dangerous ways. No, you're right. Um, I, I mean, it's it, it is a serious thing because we want to take God seriously and what He said seriously, and to understand Him. I mean, you apply it to marriage. Like your spouse says something, and you misunderstand it, and then you just build this whole construct of what, what you think they meant, and then you try. They're like, no, that's not what I was talking about. I mean, that's something you need to work through. But like, you want to understand the other person, and yeah. so. Um, you can really get off course if if you don't. Um, and just kind of hitting on something else you were saying, because um, I think you would affirm this too, that to be clear, we do think you take the Bible literally when the Bible is, is yes. meant to be taken literally. So it's not just a collection of you know declarative sentences. It's not a dictionary. And so if, if it's meant to be taken figuratively, like Jesus says, if it's better to um, enter the kingdom of heaven and have your eye plucked out because you 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 did it to avoid sin you know he's not literally saying gouge your eye out it's a he's he's amping up the um the picture to show you to take fighting sin seriously and so and then there's other things as well um where you don't just it's not everything's not strictly to be taken literally and that's just good literary uh handling of things like you know you do that in in your normal speech you use yeah. figures of speech and metaphors and that kind of thing and so um the bible is no different in that regard yeah absolutely yeah the it, it is it is true it's a work of literature it's, it's truly literature it is from god but it's literature and that's why i think this is important we study it just like we study literature you know no one turns to the poems of shakespeare and kind of just magically pulls one part out of context and and lets it mean whatever they kind of feel like it meaning in the same way we have to be diligent to study um diligent to study the word even more so and what are some examples of children and youth lessons uh, missing the meaning of the text? 
Ooh, how much time do you have? Um, <laughs> Let's go a couple hours. <laughs> uh, well, I've I've seen it often, sadly. Um, one that, that we've talked about on here before. I remember talking about this with uh, David and Sally Michael. How you know they've got John Piper down there preaching about Jesus feeding the five thousand. He's the bread of life who reveals himself. He'll satisfy people's every need and satisfy their hearts. And then the kids are like learning about how the little boy shared, and so we should all share. Um, and I've heard that many, many times, um, or either heard it referenced or maybe even seen it. I, I can't remember. I oh, think yeah. I maybe just heard it talked about. But um, another one that I have seen firsthand was a, a lesson r- related to Samson in his life. And the, the big point, and it was for pretty young kids, but still, um, the point was I can learn from my mistakes. Um Actually, going back to the feeding of the 5,000, I have seen firsthand one that it didn't talk about sharing, but it talked about the main point was that Jesus helped people. Um, It's like, yeah, he did. But even for a four-year-old, who do you know that can take one lunch and feed that many people? (laughs) I mean, you can see there's something special about this guy. Um, I've seen one. I've heard of one, um, a sermon. This was actually for adults, but a sermon on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's praying, you know, the night before he's crucified and it was a message on dealing with stress um which just seems to be like well maybe there's something you can draw out from that but that's clearly not the point of it just how jesus dealt with stress in his life um i've seen another one firsthand uh, lessons on timothy and it was a collection of passages uh related to timothy and paul's writings to him and the big takeaway was choose to make right choices so this Mm -hmm. imperative now, sure, Paul told him some things like that, but I don't. I think you'd be a, have a hard time really justifying if you were to look at all that and say, okay, the main thing Paul wanted Timothy to do was to make right choices. Uh, that just that's not really defensible. Um, and then I saw another one. I, I actually have a file on my desk called <laughs> Curriculum Problems, um, and so I just started plumbing through it. And um, Matthew twenty one to sixteen is it's the master uh, it's the parable of the, of a master hiring vineyard workers to come uh-huh. work and you know he pays all of them the same thing regardless yeah. of how long they work, and the big takeaway was uh, do what you'll say you do, and work together. And okay, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. maybe as a little application there, but I mean that that's not the main point of of those, and I think just any surface reading you can see and, and again these were intended for small kids but I, I think we're selling those kids short if we think that that's the you know that's all they can handle yeah yeah i don't know do you have a do you have a file as well I, <laughs> not as formal as you do uh but i certainly have noticed many of them yeah and and you know in addition to show how bad this problem is you know i could list even many many more you know i think one of the prominent ones that you didn't mention is david and goliath you know, and talking not just about children, but youth. I've seen youth lessons, even adult lessons, that do the same kind of thing. That uh, the lesson of David and Goliath is how is how you can overcome your personal uh, that difficulties in your life, and how you can kind of uh, be how how to be brave and how to basically name and claim victory in your life. Uh, that's not even remotely what that was about. You know, whereas I think essentially the and the real picture of David and Goliath it was not that Dave, David knows he's better than, he's bigger, he's truly bigger because he's a bigger heart than Goliath in some weird way. No, it's 
David looked at Goliath, and uh, Goliath looked at David, and, and Goliath thought puny David. Uh, but David looked at, uh, but David looked at God, and then looked at Goliath, and he saw puny Goliath. And rather, mm. so the focus in that was on on the power of God, you know, and knowing God's kingdom was going to advance, and that's what David trusted in, not his own ability to uh, defeat the difficulties in his own life. Um, you know, I there's. T- even like uh, related, you know, another Old Testament one, the uh, lesson of Gideon, and this is thought likewise to adults. And I've seen this especially hampered on on to youth and youth in trying to find out, find God's will to kind of lay out a fleece. You need to lay out a fleece in your life to to determine find God's will for your life. Well, if you mm-hmm. actually study the text, that doesn't look good. I mean, literally throughout most of the Old Testament, God could kill you for doing something like testing him in that kind of overt way that Gideon did. Gideon mm-hmm. was no good example of his stretch. He was right. basically an idolater. You know, I think of um, that in the New Testament. I mean, the New Testament is even more rampant, like you said, with Jesus' life. I mean, the, par- that, the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is, I think, about how Jesus is the only Good Samaritan and showing our inability to, uh, to be a workspace, have a workspace religion. And I've uh, seen a children's lesson that uh, sung a song, I am the good neighbor, at the end. Fundamentally missing the point. It's not about being a good neighbor. It's about how we're not good neighbors. And, uh, and I think in general, with that, it's common to approach uh, from children's curriculums uh, the parables in general as ways to make wise choices. When I mean, by no stretch is this about why you should choose to have the uh, apple instead of the Snickers bar. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> so with all that, uh, the long little tirade, right? <laughs> what are some, uh, what are the dangers of missing the meaning of the text when we teach young people? Well, uh, I think there's, there's quite a bit. Uh, we teach them to treat the Bible as something different than it really is. Um, and it can easily turn to moralism and put burdens on their back. Mm-hmm. And we miss grace. We miss Jesus. And so we can miss the gospel just altogether and miss how central it is to the Christian life. Um, because really what what often happens is here's something to go do. Mm-hmm. Now – Neither one of us would deny that there are imperatives in Scripture, like commands, do this. Even in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, Paul gives commands. Uh, Jesus gives commands to go love one another. But that's not the only category you have. Pick the apple over the Snickers, he gives commands too, right? Right. Yeah, so it's not only that. And so the thing that you take from every passage is not, now go do such and such. Sometimes it's you believe a promise of God or you rest in this. Um, And so I think it's just trying to to take all of of what Scripture is appropriately and and not just put burdens on people's back. Because I think most of us default to sort of these moralistic, you know, do this, don't do this. What do I take away immediately and do uh, just by default? And some of us by conditioning too, but I think that's that's really a key issue. Yeah, that's good. The uh, now uh, with that, should we just assume all the curriculums and all the lesson plans for youth or children uh, are we bought is the right about every single interpretation that it has? You know, is it we're just going to teach it straight out for what it says, or should we call some things in question sometimes? Uh yeah, I think. 
that you you should. I think you should read the passage, you know, and and think about this. And if you go, wait a minute, that doesn't seem to be what that's talking about. I think you know you can still use it, but adapt it. Like you don't have to just stick with a script. Yeah. Um, and but I'd say if it's consistently wrong, then you may think about if you have the ability to change it or stop using it or. or try to get that changed you know you may not be the one who's actually picking it um and say hey I've, I've noticed some problems here um but don't just assume that they always get it right and now i've seen some uh, material that's out there it's it's handled very well you know with maybe some exceptions here and there i think well maybe that's not why i would put it a little differently but uh and i've seen some that's consistently bad um and so I know you and I have talked about before, or I've heard somebody using like maybe sometimes the people that that are writing children's curriculum, um, they are gifted and they have ability and knowledge about children or children's education, and less so about the Bible itself. Which that other stuff is very important; it's helpful. Um, but you know, if someone is is teaching the Bible, you you want someone who's who's got some ability yeah. to handle it, um, and so. I think you know we to be responsible. We need to look at the that material ourselves and evaluate, um, and just you know say is this lesson is this lesson pushing the most important thing that comes out of this passage when I read it? Yeah, you know I think at best uh, any children's or, or youth curriculum is exists to help you teach the Bible, not as a way to teach the lesson. Uh, and, you know, over the Bible, you know, it's a way to illuminate it and, and relate it to their lives based upon what the meaning of the text is. And I think we need to understand it as that. This is not our, you know, the curriculums that we buy is not the Bible for our kids or our youth. You know, mm-hmm. the, instead, it's a resource. And if the resource goes in error, we need to reject it or kind of repurpose it in that kind of way. I know. And I, don't, I think this applies to everything, though, that we have to be, have critical minds about any curriculum. Uh, and no curriculum that uh, is going to be right based upon I, based upon our own interpretations of every text. So, you know, for example, I love the Gospel Project. I think it's an excellent resource, and I, th- I encourage churches to embrace it, as well as other curriculums that we've uh, ha- had discussions with the leaders on. <clears throat> I don't agree with every single interpretation of, wh- of what the Gospel Project does. And I think it would be irresponsible for me, as, as somebody put in tr- uh, trusted with teaching children and youth, uh, to teach uh, exactly what a lesson says when I think maybe uh, maybe we might be better going in a slightly different direction. And that's not to say that we condemn it, but, you know, that we use it as a springboard and go forward into a slightly different direction. And by no stretch is that an insult to the creators of that. You know, it's meant to be a resource to be used as a study of the text. And we're called to each individually interpret the Bible in that way. No, that's good good counsel um you know we talked to connie dever recently and some of the stuff she has in her material she talks about you know you don't have to use the stuff that i've made and just slavishly stick to it and she talks about being a pirate not in the sense of you you know like stealing people's curriculum but just taking something here and taking something there and um you know you don't have to just hang on to the uh the script of the lesson for dear life so uh, i think that's, yeah. that's wise words now, why does uh, rightly understanding the Bible uh, make a difference to our kids and youth? Well, 
I mean, Jesus quoting he's quoting Deuteronomy. He said, you know, you, you don't live by bread alone. You live by every word that's coming out of the mouth of God. And so we're trying to point them to God's word as their frame of reference for life. Um, the, the the grid that they look at is they make decisions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it helps them rightly understand God and themselves and God's world and what he requires of them and what he promises to them. And so, I mean, it is an intensely practical uh, aspect of our teaching that we want to teach God's word accurately. Uh, you know, and sometimes you're going to come across things where you go, I scratch your head and you work at it and you're like, I'm just not quite sure. And, and that's okay, but I think Scripture is clear on the most important things. And in many passages, you read it, and with a little work, you can see, okay, this is what um, what the author is talking about here. And so um, it, it is so important because it just affects the little details of life. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was reading uh, something from uh, somebody that was involved in children's ministry from, I think, a more moralistic perspective. And uh, she was engaging with some stats that seemed to show that uh, basically what we teach children ends up informing what they believe as adults. Shocker, shocker, even in children's ministry. And she was basically puzzled by this, you know, that how can this be? I mean, this is some great tragedy because, you know, the uh, children's ministry isn't for that kind of long-term formation. But she's wrong dead wrong and the reality is all the statistics bear true that how we teach them and engage the text at a young age at extremely young ages will be formative of how they're going to engage in the bible at an older age you know if we teach the bible moralistically because it's easier and more convenient and more fun and for preschoolers the reality is they're going to as adults almost certainly keep that moralistic uh, interpretation of those texts. They're going to, if they have any memory, even if they don't remember the exact lesson, they're going to look at the feeding of the 5,000 as, as how I should help people. And they're going to be hindered in their ability to truly interpret the Bible uh, in, in really healthy and wise ways. Uh, you know, and they so they need that kind of real foundation, that right foundation upon the truth, rather than a foundation upon uh, that upon sand in that kind of way. That's a great point. I mean, I um, I remember things I was taught as a kid, and I think I overall was taught pretty well. But I remember, I don't know if this was my misunderstanding or if the teacher actually said this or what. But it wasn't until I got to college that I realized that when when the serpent tempts Eve, that Adam was actually there with her. And it says it plainly in the yep. passage. You know, she gave some to her husband who was with her. I'd always thought he was off somewhere in the garden, you know, gardening or doing something with the animals. Playing video and games. And then he comes up later. What's that? Playing video games. Yeah, he's playing video games. <laughs> and uh, exercising dominion that way. And um, anyway, I, that again, just – and there are other examples that I could give, but um, – things that that you're taught as a child that just etch their way into your memory um whether that's a, a form of, of how you look at the passage hey look at scripture so um we want to give them and, and you know you don't need to be like now children notice the preposition here <laughs> you know i mean get like john piper on them um <clears throat> but but you can teach the point of the passage as the point of your lesson in yeah. a way that's accessible to kids that's good now with that said how does a uh that how does a teacher or a parent find the meaning of a text so that they can teach it? You know, do they just come and ask uh, Pastor Tony and Pastor Ben every time? 
Uh, <laughs> probably don't want to go that route. Um, no, no I, I think it's it's really it's not um, it's not rocket science. Not that it's always easy, but uh, have you seen that? There's a uh, British comedy show. Um, I can't remember their names, but it's these two two guys, and they do these you know little uh, sketch comedy things and this this guy goes into a party and he's a brain surgeon and he's just intent on making everybody know that he's a brain surgeon and oh, yeah. uh <laughs> yeah. you see that yeah he's like well it's not exactly brain surgery is it you know and then this rocket scientist comes in and he's like oh well, that's not exactly rocket science is it but um no i mean but reading and interpreting the bible can be difficult at times but then there's other ways where it 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 can be pretty straightforward uh but read it several times if possible and just ask what's the big point here um and also look at the context i mean you know you go that sounds like a lot of work and it can be at times but just ask yourself is this worth it to take god's word seriously you know and wouldn't you try to read things if, if it was for your job in context or you're looking at some contract or just other situations where you're not just looking at isolated sentences you're looking okay what i need to see how this fits into the rest of what's going on here um you know you you would do that um that that would just be responsible reading and so you know the bible isn't yes we believe it it's god's word and the, the spirit works through it in a way that there is mystery there um and it gives life but it's not a magic book and it's not strictly composed of proverbs where it's just like you know here's a sentence here's a, a one-off statement it, there's all these different you've got narrative and genealogies and letters and apocalyptic and poetry and prophecy and there's all these different kind of things and so it does take learning something about how literature works uh, but you don't have to become a professor or something like that it's just getting more familiar with it, reading it and reading it over again for yourself and you know I, I don't want to bash devotionals and things like that but I, I think they can be helpful but the danger often is that it takes like a a verse or two verses just a very small section and sort of gives you some blessed thoughts for the day and it doesn't really teach people if that's their only diet it doesn't really teach them how to handle the bible and and then you know their spiritual health and then others that they may minister to you know is affected by that so yeah that's good yeah i think that's important too um to read it in that kind of way by studying the the text, you know, the passage that it's in. But likewise, you know, I think it's also important that uh, we be equipped and prepare ourselves to teach, the, read the Bible in light of the whole Bible, you know, to mm-hmm. be, be, pay careful attention. You know, when you see uh, the Old Testament talk about the temple and then see what the New Testament, what Hebrews talks about it and connect the dots there. And even, you know, sometimes the Bible can, Bibles can be helpful. Our physical printed Bibles can have things like cross-references. So, you know, if something's quoted from a part in the Old Testament or, uh, you know, in that kind of way or... Or that, uh, or even sometimes quotes uh, from one another from the Testament seem to quote from other parts of the Old Testament. Kind of read those cross references, those whole quotes. You know, the whole further passage to help you illuminate the other passages that you happen to be reading. And yeah, again, to follow the themes of the Bible. You know, the Bible doesn't just have uh, detailed study and exegesis, but you know, there's something called biblical theology. You know, the Bible is developing these important themes, these important truths over time, and showing things more and more in, in a gradual sense, in a really beautiful way. So even, you know, when you understand, when you look at a passage that understands marriage, you know, introduction 
reproduction and marriage. That read that in light of what Ephesians talks about marriage in the way that it you know points to Christ and the church. So read the Bible mm-hmm. not just as a small unit, but also as a whole. But definitely don't just read it as a magical book, like Ben said. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. How the Bible again it has these different human authors, but there is one author behind it. And you know you you're referencing Peter and how. You know the um, these holy men of old were they were moved along by the Holy Spirit to write the things that God intended, mm-hmm. even though they were writing from their own experience and their own research and, and all of this. Um, the 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 Lord was still working in that. Yes. To our listeners, I want to note this has been part one of a two part episode. We will be posting the second part one week from the original posting of this episode, and we hope you listen and enjoy that second part as well as this one. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.